What if the only way to address the global population crisis and the degradation of the planet is to limit everyone's lifespan to just 70 years? Would you happily go along with it, or would you fight to live? In Patricia Donovan's novel The Collections, set in 2041 New Zealand, this is the challenge facing Clarice, who works in a government collections depot. Here, 70-year-olds are euthanised, then their bodies are processed so they can be returned to the earth as mulch. It's the third novel by the Carpety Coast-based writer. Robin Jackery reads from The Collections. We'd been together so long that I didn't know how I was going to live without Laurie. After he left, I couldn't see the point of being alive anymore and wished the depots accepted people of any age. Why don't they? What's so magical about the number 70? We need to reduce the population, don't we? So why not let anyone of any age end their life if that's what they want? Why stop them? I remember when collections began. Who doesn't? It was in 2038 while I was still teaching English at Burnside High. There wasn't even a referendum. Climate change policies had failed, countries hadn't kept to their targets on carbon reduction, and nothing now could slow the accelerating deterioration of the planet. More drastic action was required, and collections became the only feasible response. The policy was bipartisan and global, the first major issue that we all as a species agreed on, and it took immediate chilling effect. Some bureaucrat, smart aleck in the government's communications department perhaps, coined a word for the policy. U70, but it didn't stick. Patricia, what got you thinking about the story, the themes, the big questions actually, that you challenge us to think about in the collections? I first began thinking about it when we were discussing the pros and cons of euthanasia in this country, you know, leading to the bill, and and this was going on at the same time as alarm was sort of spreading worldwide at the rate of population growth and the very scary prospect that our planet really can't sustain this growth. I mean, the optimum population for this planet is about one and a half to two billion, and yet there are now nearly eight billion of us. And I'm thinking, well, where is this going to end up? And musing on that, I sort of led me down this dystopian path of just thinking, well, well, what are we going to do about it? And whatever we do, it's likely to be draconian. You've said this in 2041. What made yeah. that the right year? Because it feels terrifyingly close to me. It does. I feel the end of the world might be terrifyingly close. And, uh, I mean, the planet is telling us right now that something has to give. And it can't cope. It's not invincible. And our resources aren't finite. And so, yeah, something's got to give. And if it's only 20 years in the future, so be it. The Collections is the name of the novel. Tell us what a collections depot is. It's when people, when they reach the age of 70, are taken to die, to be euthanised. And this helps curb the population growth and their, their bodies are then mulched to feed the forestation program going on worldwide. So it's fixing two problems at the same time, reducing the number of consumers on the planet and putting the trees back. I have to try not to uh, laugh because it is a macabre and wild idea. 
mulching is actually much more practical, isn't it, than cremation. Yeah. You really are giving back, and then there's the gifting, as you say, and the trees are planted on top. The relationship between Clarice, who's your protagonist, and her husband, we, we come across this at a time when it's her uh, much-loved husband's 70th birthday and his time to go. Now, Laurie is very much at peace with this. I'm not sure in this world where the most are. It is the law, or most are thinking, actually, as you say, the planet is in crisis. We've got to do something. So I've had a great three score years and ten, and off I go mm. to the collections depot with a, a whiskey in the limo, and away I go. So Laurie's at peace with it. I mean, it feels like a big um, leap for people to be so. Well, that's the function of ideology, isn't it? And the danger of it to quash freedom of thought, you know, and quell any awkward thinking. You know, once a government puts a system like that in place, people are sort of bullied into going along with it. It's that environment when ideas are deemed, you know, immune from criticism or humour. So when you've got an ideology like the collections in place, um, it makes freedom of thought pretty difficult. Yeah, there's a quote here from Clarice. Most of our clients at the depot are reconciled to what we were doing for them and ready for collection because, after all, it's necessary, urgently, mm. unassailably necessary, and everyone knows and accepts this. Uh, but she says mm. now and then someone would turn up who didn't accept it and wasn't ready. Mm. And, I, you know, mm. the examples that she gives are quite chilling because you can't help but imagine what you would do in that situation, right? Yes. It is a story, and a story is quite a safe place for people to experience, you know, emotions like fear and trepidation. And and so the story, I hope, offers a sort of cathartic release. It felt cathartic writing it. I've got to ask you, because I've imagined this myself, would you go quietly to the collections depot, or would you fight? A very good question. And if I give you the answer, I might be um, giving away the story. I think that is something that everyone reading the book will will really mm. think about, you know, because mm. that, that giving for the greater good, you know, that's a very powerful argument. But life but doesn't course, feel like it should be over at 70. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, although, of course, a key theme in the novel is that citizens should be free to decide their own fate. Well, Clarice has been working, she's so interesting. She's been working in the collections depot, you know, she's a hard worker, she's conscientious. She does get a, a few moments when she's called a killer, you know, by kids in the in the street. They know where she works. But she doesn't see herself in that way. She's diligent and she understands the ideology. And as I mentioned, the death of her husband is really what seems to shake her out of this near complacency, would you say? Yes, she's a law-abiding citizen and, and wants to be a law-abiding. So, yes, it's a dramatic act like seeing her husband driven away in a depot car that makes her start to question the ideology. Clarice decides to, to keep working, but how long is it before she's starting to have these, you could say, subversive thoughts, very gently subversive in the start, really just you know, thinking about things in her own, in her own place? Well, once again, I don't want to give away too much, but uh, but someone turns up to the depot and, and things go rather horribly wrong. And it's incredibly distasteful for Clarice. I think that that's her threshold. I was interested also, I mean, another irritant in Clarice's rather lovely life is uh, her husband's niece, Annabelle, and she comes and mm. rocks things up 
a mm. bit too, doesn't she? She's mm. been, you know, out of the scene for a long time. And when there's been a death, there's money and she's mm. sniffing around. Uh, and Clarice doesn't take it too seriously at the time. You know, they've, they've decluttered together her and Laurie. This is another part mm. of the deal. Their accommodation, she doesn't need space for two anymore. She is forced to move to somewhere mm. smaller. I thought that was a really interesting move too. I mean, it really is all very population-focused, right? Yes, and and it is the elderly being squeezed on all sides by the state and by the young, represented by Annabelle. Did you, because this is such a, I mean, it's an interesting, intriguing novel, but it, it is, there are sad moments in it. And as you say, when something goes horribly wrong at the depot, it kind of shakes you up a little bit. What was it like for mm. you writing this, you know, putting yourself in Clarice's shoes, fast-forwarding yourself to 2041? I didn't know when I started the story where it was going to end up. I wrote the first three or four pages and and then just got swept along by it. I had a lot of fun finding out where it was going to end up. And I am aware that a lot of it was driven by my own dismay about what's going on in the world. Our inability, for instance, to curb the use of plastic, that we're still chopping down forests. And so this was all in the back of my mind as I am writing. Do you see this as a cautionary tale? I mean, do you think, do you, I mean, it is, it's a novel and it's entertaining and it's interesting, but do you think that there is material in here, questions that you're raising that people might, it might be worthy thinking about at the end of this? I wouldn't be so bold. People must take the story as they choose. Some might see a cautionary tale in it. I think if there is anything to really take away is that we need to change what we're doing. I mean, I go down to the supermarket and I see corn that has been shucked of its natural shell and shrink-wrapped in plastic. Why? <laughs> and why do we keep chopping down the trees? We haven't addressed the climate change problem. We haven't addressed waste. And so something is going to give, and whatever it is, it's probably going to be draconian. And it's a morbid thought, but the choice may come down to allocating resources to support and enhance the lives of the young or to prop up and prolong the lives of the old. It looks increasingly as if we can't do both. And that's really what the story is about. Yeah, there's a line. I've just got it in front of me, actually. Collections are an affront to human dignity, but who can't see the sense in prioritising the needs of the young? Your previous novels have been entirely different. I mean, the first one, you know, historical fiction. Is this a, a route, Patricia, that you're going to keep going down? I don't know the answer to that, because when I think about my next book, I, I have no particular intention. An idea comes to me and I just follow it, and the genre is dictated by that idea or, or the situation, you know, you know, a moral or emotional dilemma of some sort. And from there, I just create the characters to explore that situation. So the, I'm just not thinking about genre when I start. Patricia Donovan has written The Collections and Mary Egan Publishing is the publisher.